armies draw near, and to my prayer incline, in arts gymnastic, and in fraud divine. Dire weapon of the tongue which men revere, be present, Hermes, in thy suppliant here. Welcome to Third Eye Bind, episode 41, Sex Magic. Hi, I'm Laura. And I'm Caitlin. And welcome back to Third Eye Bind. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is season five. five. I'm taking off my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the season five premiere. Five, epi- five episodes. Five, five whole season. episodes. Five whole, five whole episodes. seasons. One and episode a season. I think this is like episode 50? It's like 40. Oh, you're right. 40. Because it's, yeah, you're right. Because I remember when it's I. It's the 10 back. Yeah. 40, we this start. Is 41. 41. <gasps> if this were a TV show, we would be like almost halfway syndicated. <laughs> we would be, we would be wrapping up our whole storyline arc. I know. That's wild. I just, what would happen? Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Well, per usual, we have some fun things to ask of you, um, like liking us. Please like us. Please subscribe. Please rate us. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to join our Patreon, we have that patreon.com slash third bind. You can get a sticker pack. You can get early access. There's a plethora of opportunities to uh, assist us in our magical creations. Yes, please help us keep our independent podcast running. Um, we do love your praise and your reviews but to bh we'd also like a little bit of your money because it costs a lot to keep this thing going it does it does so yeah and happy one year anniversary happy anniversary to third eye binds mm. uh july 17th was our first 2022 was My our first pants. air date <laughs> yes caitlin's wearing loud pants sorry today. everyone <laughs> or you're welcome. It's ASMR. Pan ASMR moment. Go for it. For patrons. Like a cricket. <laughs> like a sexy cricket. Which is appropriate because today We're gonna get into it. We're going to get into and you might be wondering, what are we getting into? Why is there a third chair here? What's happening? What the hell is going on? Caitlin Laura, we're confused. What I want to say, what the f- is going on because we have that fun little noise you just heard now so i'm gonna say more often (laughs) just for the of it (laughs) we have our first in-person guest today a lovely human by the name of halen belay and i'm going to read her bio from my cell phone right now halen belay is a sexual health expert body worker, and pleasure witch based in Baltimore, Maryland. With over a decade of experience in trauma-informed health education, her expertise is in holistic mind-body-spirit approaches to social-emotional development and using witchcraft to promote psychosocial wellness. Mm. Very cool. Mm. And what are we talking about today, Caitlin? Today we are talking about sex and pleasure magic. Sex and pleasure magic. Yeah. Let's get into it. But be- we have to conjure our guest really oh, quickly. Right. Oh, let's manifest her. One, two, three. Oh, wow. Oh, Hi. it works. Hey. Welcome. Welcome, Haylin. Welcome to our Thank set. Thank you for having me. Let's clap. Oh, oh wow. Audience oh, wow. applause. Thank you to the studio. 
studio audience. <laughs> Welcome to our set. Thank you. Thank you for ha- thank well. Thank you for bringing me to your set. Yeah. Um, was How was really it? <laughs> it was short. It was short and easy. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. I Good. would say immediate. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I love it. Based on our topic today, we hope that's not how it goes, right? Hello. Hey, oh, there's going to be a lot of that today because wow. right. I'm a five-year-old boy. That's okay. But we love that about you, Laura. Here's Thank you. The thing. I'm immature in a fun way. So before we get into our conversation with our incredible guest about sex and pleasure magic, we're going to do what we always do and pull a card from the Sirens of Song tarot deck. Available on LadyMoon.co. Ooh, that's it. Okay. It's literally my phone background. I'm a, oh, I'm a stan. So I'm a true stan. Thank you. Okay, what's going to be? Uh, what is it? What? What is it? It's the Two of Swords. Again? Which is interesting because this card has been coming up Hold a lot on. this season. Pause. Okay, so what's up? Last season. <clears throat> I mean, last, last season. season. Oh my God, this is a new season, new season. LOL. No, it's all. it's been coming. A stalker. Why? This card is stalking us because, like, okay. Oh when we God. arrive at the Two of what? Swords, we are at this crossroads where we are too afraid or uncomfortable Uh, to take steps forward into the unknown hence the blindfold we can't really see or maybe don't want to see what's going on around us and I think that especially in this western world where everything is based on white supremacist puritanical culture There is this incredible discomfort and disconnection from pleasure and sexuality and this fear of it, this villainization of it. So it actually makes a lot of sense that for this conversation, there's this reflection through the tarot of how so many of us have been conditioned to feel and see sexuality and pleasure when the reality is like the flowing water behind the figure in the Smith weight deck. It is something that is a part of us. It is something like pleasure is our birthright and it is reflected to us in every single part of nature. It's late spring right now. It's summer officially summer solstice has hit and the plants are all f***ing and there are... My doves are laying the eggs. The doves are laying yeah. eggs and we see it everywhere around mm. us. And like even like the way birds sing to one another to mate, like just all of it, we see this like beauty that is so deeply intertwined when it comes to pleasure and sex to have to deny that of ourselves mm. is is uncomfortable. But I am so, so, so excited to have you here to help us take off that blindfold and put those swords of protection down so that we can like open up our hearts and open up our bodies and our minds to the idea that like we can get comfortable with this type of um magic but really like spirituality and like Mm -hmm. existence Mm -hmm. like existence on the garden planet on planet earth i think that's really fucking cool so that's that's two the card, and I love it think? for us. What do you think about the two of swords? Yes, yeah, tell mean, us. So when I when I talk about the two of swords with like clients or students, mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll talk about this nature of like swords as the realm of our thoughts and our intellect and our ideas, mm-hmm. right or wrong, and that two of swords being representative of like a binary, but 
almost always, with a few exceptions, it's coming up as a reminder that that binary is not real, right? Mm. Like, to your point, right, that this is a binary that exists because we are in some way blindfolded. And it's in a recognition that when we're operating from this rational perspective that we've been taught to sort of privilege and think of as being the most legitimate, the most correct, mm. the most uh, real, you are giving something up. Like you are, you are blinding yourself to something if you're going into something from an objective perspective. You're saying, I'm going to take this type of information, this j- category of wisdom out of the equation. Mm. There are situations in which that's useful, right? Like every card in the tarot has a, oh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> amateur hour. Um, every card in the deck has some utility to it, right? Mm. But the- uh, There's always a spectrum. There's yeah. a spectrum. But I think to your point, especially when it comes to the work that I do, you know, the, the manifesto on my website says, all people deserve an integrated life and the healthy pursuit of pleasure. Mm. And everything that I do is around trying to help make that more possible for people. Mm. And a lot of what that looks like is helping people to see where um, right and wrong and like black and white thinking have maybe seeped into areas of their life that's not appropriate for it to be in. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to questions of like pleasure and self-intimacy and especially intimacy with other people and vulnerability, that's not really a place where that kind of like right and wrong black and white thinking is going to help you because your subjective wisdom is actually the most important and the most useful in those circumstances, mm, right? We have okay. to rely on yeah. like our, our human animal body to be able to like take care of us in that way because that's literally what they evolved to do. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Denying that seems unnatural. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it's why it's why that like sexual repression uptightness is also so associated with like violence, quite frankly, that there is something really I I mean, I don't want to invoke human nature too aggressively here, but there is something very inhumane about trying to deny or control or restrict Mm -hmm. um, that really like fundamental. I mean, there's a reason why I call myself a pleasure witch, right? Like pleasure is really at the heart of my witchy practice because coming to identify as a witch for me started with being like, okay, I have something that I know to be true Mm -hmm. and everyone's telling me I'm wrong. So I can either say like, yes, you're right. I'm wrong. And I'm going to kill that thing inside me. Or I can say like, yes, you're right. I'm wrong. And I love being wrong. Like I think being Mm -hmm. wrong is so If that's what right is, I love being wrong. And live deliciously. Literally that was (laughs) like, you know, there's There was like a a little senior profile in my college paper, my senior year. And in it, I would talk about like, yeah, I'm embracing self-identifying as a slut. Like I'm embracing self-identifying as like things that, you know, I I put witch on my business card. And I had several very well-meaning people. This was in like 2015. So many well-meaning people be like, hey, are you sure that you want to do that? Like that's really... (laughs) <laughs> like you're you know you're you're keeping yourself out of certain rooms by making that choice and mm. I was like exactly I am keeping myself out of certain rooms by yeah. making that choice mm-hmm. I'm keeping myself safe from being in certain rooms by making the choice to say like I'm gonna lead with the thing that I know to be true which is like my human animal body feels things mm. and I don't want to live in denial of the things that I'm feeling I want to live in harmony with that mm. wisdom you know Tell us a little bit more about how you came to be a pleasure witch. Yeah. Um, so there's there's two answers, right? I, which I think is true for a lot of like 
contemporary mm-hmm. witches. There's the period of adulthood where I started like to choose to identify as a witch, which for me was around, like I said, like the end of college mm-hmm. is when I was really like, okay, I'm personally and professionally and in all ways like really embracing this as a way of life. But then there's also the deeper answer of, you know, growing up, there was so mm-hmm. much symbol and ritual and meaning in everything that my uh that my mom did my mom raised me as a single parent Mm -hmm. and um she was an immigrant from Ethiopia and was like I mean very recently immigrated as in I was conceived in Ethiopia and then was born in the United States (laughs) yeah so she was still very proximate to that culture and raised me as being very proximate to that culture and so much of that culture involves like symbolic gesture and meaningful mm-hmm. ritual really embedded into day-to-day life. Like the way that you greet people, mm-hmm. um, the way that you feed people, there's there's a way of feeding people that is like, I mean, I think of it as like a little spell every time I do it, where it's you're yeah. literally feeding somebody from your hand into their mouth. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, yeah. I can't. Th- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It, this what? Is, you this do it with family. Nice. It's like, it's intimate, but. But I mean, that's an intimate way to like right. eat and consume. Like that's really cool. It's I can think of very few other like what's a more fundamental way that we as human beings can say to somebody like I care about you than yeah. like I'm literally ner- I'm gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> like that's such a like powerful um, concept to have like been lucky enough to have been exposed to as a child yeah. and like really having a relationship to the idea that like my mom would put her hand on my belly when I had a stomach ache and my stomach ache would go away. Yeah. I don't know how that works. You know it's what I magic. mean? There's, okay, mm-hmm. there's like the whatever scientific explanation of, you know, pressure stimulation mm. and, you know, psychosomatic, whatever, whatever. But also that's magic. It is magic. It's magic. And I think science is just, is very often like, mm. Uh, Western society validating or qualifying yes. what we already know right. in indigenous cultures. Yeah. Which can be useful. Yeah, which, right. But it's the over-reliance on, mm-hmm. like, if it's not provable and write-downable, then it's not real. Then it's not real. Exactly. Yeah. Until wild. they decide it's real, yeah. it's not real. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of crazy because it's like, but you you feel it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you feel it's So how can you say it's not real? Mm-hmm. I also think um, bringing up feeding someone, your family members, is a really beautiful practice because I think so much of what folks consider to be pleasure-based, they, they have a hard time div- divorcing it from like sex yes. yeah. and sensuality. Right. And pleasure can be so much more than mm-hmm. that. Um, talk to us a little bit about your relationship to pleasure and how, I don't know, you talk to like your, you do so many amazing things. You teach yeah. sex ed, you see clients one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about like your manifesto and your mission when it comes to pleasure. Yeah. So my career is like a sexuality expert, sex ed teacher started in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in, That's cool. Yeah. I was in Texas, um, which is oh, an wow. abstinence-only state. Oh, yeah. fun. And so I was in like a sex ed class where I'm being told like, you know, girls don't get horny and like a healthy family is a mother and a father and like just (sighs) things that again even as a teenager I was like this is bullshit like there's no way this is this is the truth that you're telling me Mr. Football Coach who's teaching my sex ed class I refuse to believe the football coach at my high school taught my sex ed class too I don't even remember whose daughter 
got pregnant when she was 14. LMAO. So he was bitter. Right. I went to Catholic school, so we didn't have sex ed. We got to watch an abortion video and a birth oh, video. Fun. And we were allowed to opt out of it. And they were made as it. traumatizing as possible, Absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah. I opted out. Yeah. I, I mean, like, that's... I don't... <laughs> need to watch that that's so many people's experience marty fucking like right. i don't need to <laughs> well and that's the thing that you know i think for a lot of people especially people in our age cohort i can only speak to like the american context that's the one that i'm in right yes and in the united states like when i ask rooms of adults who here had not even good sex education any, any. sex education mm. it's usually less than 50 percent of people who are raising their hands and then when i ask the question like did you talk about Anything beyond condoms on bananas? Like, did you talk about, like, the reasons why someone would want to have sex as opposed to all the reasons why you're supposed to say no to sex? And that usually drops down to close to zero. Um, Abs- yeah. Because we, we this association that you're talking about, right, of pleasure is always sexual and sexual is always profane and dirty, mm. you know, yeah. then people have this weird uh, sort of uptightness about talking to young people about pleasure yes, as if young people don't already have a relationship to their own bodies. Like right. as if they're somehow, you know, if we don't tell them that sex exists, they're not going to have, they're not going to know. They just won't know they it's just there. Won't know. They won't yeah. find out. And in the age of the internet, that's especially ridiculous oh, yeah. Yeah. as a perspective and as a, a place to be. Um, but that was a thing that I ran into as a sex educator a lot was like mm. parents, teachers, administrators who were like, okay, can you teach a sex ed class, but like not talk about orgasm, which is like, what? no, <laughs> no, I can't. Like that's, that's, why do you want me to do that? Why do you, why is that to you what a good sex education is? And like, what about, like, why is that the line of profanity? Right. Like where profanity lies, orgasm. Yeah, that's it's so the weird. most pleasurable moment. Yeah, yeah. Cause they don't want people to want to have sex. It's just so bonkers. Yeah. I... <laughs> Yeah, like orgasm in particular to me is like it's like a reset button. Mm. But it's also like the the I don't know, like it's 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 some there's something about cuz I have some like I have some sexual trauma. It's fine. Oh, I'm but sorry. Like, Are you a woman in America? Yeah, right. Is I mean, it's, you have we all, some we've all got something, trauma? right? Yeah. But what I'm trying to get at is like there's a level of like denying myself that pleasure mm-hmm. that I think mm. stems from not being educated about 100% orgasm in other than like it's a thing that hopefully happens right when you have heterosexual sex yeah yeah sometimes like I don't know it just it's such a it was and I think it that's trickled over a little bit to where it's like yeah, like denying, like being being unable to be completely intimate with sex right. and pl- and orgasm and pleasure because it's like a form of like self punishment in a weird way. Like totally. I don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. It's very complex. But like I, I'm sure I'm not the only. Surely I'm not the only person that no. feels. Yeah. That I mean, way. like I just said, I I was in a sex ed class yeah. where I was being told girls don't get horny. So what does that mean yeah. for me as a girl sitting in this class being like? I've been horny. So yeah. does that mean that I'm there's something, something wrong, wrong with me? me? Mm-hmm. And there's so much focus, I think, uh, put on teaching, especially in this heterosexual, like heteronormative framework, yeah. right? Yeah. Teaching girls how to say no and not on teaching girls why they might want to say yes and how like it how they can say mm. yes and know yeah. what yes feels like for them. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, I think it people have this distorted um, perception sometimes, not always, but it's something I ran into in my 
career is this distorted perception that the girls who are most at risk are the girls who are not interested in sex. And that's not true. It's the girls who are, are interested in sex right. and are not being equipped with any of the any tools, tools to do it safely and are mm. being told that because you want to do this, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Mm. Well, then, okay, so if I have bad experiences in the world, it's that much it's easier for me to blame now. myself. Exactly. Like, it's so much easier for me to say yeah. this is because I there's something wrong with me. Oh, my God. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So to go back yeah. to that, <laughs> to Whoa. go back to your question mm-hmm. of like how, to, how I became a pleasure witch, it was things like this, right? It was being in these circumstances where I'm being told something and I'm being told not just by my health teacher, but also by TV and movies and family and church and everything. everything. Media, I'm yeah. being told that this is the way things are. And I'm thinking like, no, they're not. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. That really took me from... Yeah, like I said, from high school, like from basically as early as I was able to like knit my brain together enough to have opinions. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, okay, so the opinion that I have is like, fuck this. Like the, yeah. opinion, the opinion that I have is I want to organize my life around, again, the thing that I know to be true. So um, I started my, you know, I guess career as a sex educator, as a peer health educator, um, mm. because I went to like a youth activism camp uh, for the. I was the president of my high school GSA. Yes, uh, you know, um, amazing. Our high school, the first year we ever had a GSA was my year. We like started yeah. the GSA, and I think it was the only one in our entire archdiocese. <laughs> the archdiocese. I would believe it. Yeah. I would believe it. Yeah. <laughs> So and cool. yeah, being the, you know, being involved with the GSA and being involved with this youth activism program, one of the things that they talked about was, you know, again, being in Texas in particular, mm-hmm. queer inclusive sex. The first queer inclusive, like pleasure based sex ed class I ever had was at this youth activism summer camp that I went to. And it was like this person who at the time I was like, wow, you're like so grown up. And now I'm like, you were like 23. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. like a grad student who was, you know. I mean, again, to me, at, you know, 15, 16 years old, I was like, you're the coolest person I've ever met. Because he was teaching me about things that, like, as I'm sitting in this workshop, I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. have adults known this the whole time and, like, chosen Mm. not to tell me? That's crazy. Like, this information exists and the adults in my life are... relevant to you? And the adults in my life are keeping it from me. That's crazy. So becoming... um, Becoming plugged into, like, not just sex education is important because, like, sex positivity, but specifically coming at that from a political perspective Mm -hmm. and from a social justice framework. I feel very lucky for that. Um, There are a lot of sexuality educators who don't have that Mm -hmm. as, like, a core tenant to um, what they're doing. Or if it is something that they value, it's not always the case that they have the opportunity to actually get training in that framework and in that perspective. Mm. Um, So I feel very lucky that I was brought up not just in peer education programs, but specifically peer education programs that were really on like the cutting edge of best practices for how to like think about and teach, yeah, sex education. So I was doing this work as a sex educator. You know, I went to college. I'm like doing my little, I'm doing my little thing. Mm -hmm. And I think I made it all the way to like maybe a year out from graduation before I realized like, wait a minute, sex ed is a thing that I can do like full time. Like yeah. this is the thing that I can do and that I can do really well. well yeah. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then after a while started to do independently because I was, you know, running into the problem of like, oh, I am really values led in my work. And that means that when I work for somebody, I'm inevitably having some really Mm-hmm. unpleasant conversations mm-hmm. with that somebody yep. you know inevitably yep. having some um mm. some 
You become the problem. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> and so making that choice to like go independent, go mm-hmm. freelance. Um, I still remember the tarot reading that I did that like. I was like, okay, I have to quit my job. Um, oh, tell. It was <laughs> so, it was like a little kind of like this or that. It was like a branching, you can mm-hmm. do, you have two options. And on the one side was like, you can follow your motivation towards financial security mm-hmm. and end up dead inside. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow like the thing that you know to be true mm-hmm. and end up um, broke. Yeah. And that was the option that I was given. And mm-hmm. seeing it framed that way was like, oh, I know what it's like to be broke. I know I can survive being broke. Like, that scares me way less yeah. than mm-hmm. being dead inside because I also know what it feels like to be dead inside. Yep. And I can't survive that. No. Like, that's actually a, an intolerable position for me yeah. physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, it's like mm. in every possible way. Um, I would rather be broke. Yeah. As unpleasant as being broke is, I would rather be broke. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that was really the beginning of, I think starting to knit together, not just, oh, I'm a sex educator, oh, I'm a, you know, youth activist, I'm a peer educator, whatever, but starting to really think of this as, like, no, this isn't just about, like, you know, what I'm professionally interested in or what I have expertise in or, you know, how I want to show up in the world in this Mm -hmm. really, um, I think, yeah, capitalistic way, Mm -hmm. right? What do I do? And turned into, like, this is actually about I was actually just at a conference a couple of days ago where one of the speakers was talking about like, it's not about work-life balance, it's about work-life integration mm-hmm. and not having to have your work be something that is so separate from your life that you feel like your life ends when you clock into work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, being able to say, um, I want my work to reflect like, you know, the life that I want to live, the life that I want to mm-hmm. support other people in living. That was how I got, <laughs> got all the way around to mm-hmm. I'm a pleasure witch because you know, doing some internal investigation and asking myself, what is it really that I believe? That's what I came up with is all people deserve an integrated life and the healthy pursuit of pleasure. Like that's the thing that I, I'm going to get ketchup talk about. It feels like destiny. I'm so horny. Oh my God. (laughs) It is really like, it's the, Mm -hmm. it's the thing that I've felt like, Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky. I feel like that's not a thing that a lot of people get to experience, especially at such a young age to feel like, oh, I, this is it. Like, this is my thing. And there's a lot of other areas of my life where I've had a lot less confidence and a lot more struggle. But when it comes to like, what am I here to do? That like page of pentacles question. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Uh, I'm, I know that I'm here to, you know, to do this, to help people live more pleasurable lives. And to the healthy pursuit of pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a very intentional Mm. phrasing. Right. Um, Making that distinction between pleasure and what feels good right um, because they're, they're not, not always the gonna same. Say about they're that. not the same mm-hmm. yeah right. the way that I define it in uh, like classes that I teach or when I'm working with people is I usually give them the framework because this is, comes from my work as a social emotional skills teacher mm-hmm. um of okay take any coping skill that you use make a big list and then sort them into what's self-care which is I may or may not enjoy doing it while it happens but it's setting up my body and my environment for the conditions that are facilitating pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. Drinking water may or may not be pleasant when I'm doing it, but it's rehydrated. Exactly. These things that are good for us, but may or may not be in the moment enjoyable. Fun, right. Right. (laughs) Like I'm not eating a bag of chips, I'm running. And then we have self-indulgence, right? Which is things that do feel good in the moment, um, but that may or may not be conducive to the conditions of pleasure. Mm -hmm. So things like, yeah, the bag of chips, the pint of ice cream, I am very pro the bag of chips and the pint of ice cream, right. but I also can recognize like 
I had a, a day in uh, college where I ate an entire like half gallon container of mint chocolate chip ice cream. And that was the only thing that I ate for the whole day. Right. That was not pleasurable. Like that wasn't sure something that wasn't. I was doing because I was like, I really want to indulge in how much I love mint chocolate chip ice cream right. and like feel really good. It was like Coping. how like yeah. how much ice cream will it take for yeah. me to like not feel the thing that I'm feeling yeah. inside. Yep. And so again, making that distinction that self-indulgence is things mm. that can feel good, yeah. but need to be thought of very intentionally. Mm. And then that last category of self-sabotage. So the things that feel good while you're doing them and do not set up the conditions for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I think mm. that's the place where people often get tripped up uh, when thinking about, you know, I want to make pleasure the center of my life, right? Mm -hmm. People hear me say that and they're like, I want to do that too. Yeah. But yeah, if your party. idea of pleasure, I mean, no, it sounds great and it is mm -hmm. great. But I think what people don't. Slow down their Dionysus. I was just going to say like, <laughs> sexy Dionysus party orgy. Well, so here's the, here's the good news and the bad news. In moderation. In moderation. Yeah. I think a lot of what <laughs> it is to make pleasure the center of your life is also to rehabilitate your relationship to pain, to be honest. Like, I think that's mm. been Whoa. the biggest part of what being a pleasure, which has been for me, is wow. not just like doing things that make me feel good, but mm -hmm. also... I mean, yeah. So on a physiological level, I could nerd out about this for so long. So please do. Please stop this me. Here. <laughs> on a physiological level, we like when you feel pleasure, it's mm -hmm. not because of mechanically what's happening to your body or what you're doing. It's because of how you are perceiving it. Mm -hmm. um, none of us have ever perceived reality. We all live in the matrix. Mm -hmm. Like our brains are coming up with a simulation based on, you know, their best information right. to help us survive and to navigate the mm -hmm. world. And so that's the reason why, you know, the same stimulation when you're horny and turned on can feel really good or feel really bad when you're yeah. not horny and turned on, right? Because it's, yes. like, it's actually really uncomfortable, yeah. even though it's yeah. the exact same type of stimulation. Pause. Spanking. Um, example. <laughs> I orgasm very easily. Lucky me. It is very lucky. I multiple every time. But good for you, man. Great. But, hey, that's but, me. No, yeah. It's, <laughs> my, I feel like... Every my partner my I've sexual had has partner been like, is right here. It's a little awkward. <laughs> but for real, I can. Yeah. And it's a blessing. Okay, from Jesus. But <laughs> Jesus directly. Jesus. But when I was in high school, I would be running laps in PE and I would orgasm while I was running. At a, not a time when I wanted not to horny. do that. And it yeah. was uncomfortable. Wow. And it was, I'd be like, Ugh. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I'd be like, okay, this is happening right now. It's yeah. kind of nice, but, but, also, but also not overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Not desired. And, yeah. you know, like no when, one talked to me about that. Even right. when I was younger than that, like, so, this is just, I'm being really honest. Sometimes, sorry, mom. Like, <laughs> the first time I had an orgasm, I was sitting in the backseat <clears throat> of my family's car yeah and like i had just my like legs over crossed bump, and like, then yeah. it was like a bump thing and i was like ooh, and i just went <laughs> and i just kept like rubbing and then i had an orgasm and i was like that felt good i didn't know what the fuck it was yeah, i mean that's really that's typical most little for kids exactly. but, yeah. but that's what happened like that's you know yeah. that happened and so so yeah right. you're right sometimes you don't want to do that right and, it happens. and it's it may or may not be connected to yeah exactly being yeah. psychologically interested in sex yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, i don't want to do this with anyone else but this is right. nice and weird and <laughs> i don't want to do it at school well, right <laughs> right don't do it on the track for real yeah like, that's weird mm. but i think that um that idea that like pleasure is not about the thing that People come to me and yeah. they're like, I want to experience more pleasure. How do I have more orgasms? Yeah. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, 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 that's not no, 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 necessarily no. it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as 
as that was you're a, illustrating, right? Yeah, I was yeah. like, it's happening, but the but the connection to it is different than yes. when it's like intentionally happening. Right. And the reason for that is <laughs> my body's so there's, weird. There's a no, not at no, all. That's not my body's weird. weird. It's not weird. So much of my job, I feel like, is talking to people and being it's like, like yeah, that's it's actually like a, normal. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's okay, weird. but it was weird. Well, and that's again the thing that um, I feel very lucky to have been had the opportunity to be that sex ed teacher for yeah. like high school girls especially that's there was amazing. a year where I got to you know be a, the full-time sex ed teacher for these high school girls mm. and like really have the opportunity to have those conversations with them yes. of like oh no yeah that thing that you're feeling is normal that thing you're curious about is a normal thing to be curious about yeah. like the way that you feel isn't that weird yeah. I especially you know I've been in this I've been in this sex ed game for a long time people ask me like oh it's the weirdest like nothing Nothing. No. Nothing. Yes. There's nothing weird. That's the right answer. Yeah. We need to hear that. That's the right answer. Yeah. It's not I like, mean, oh, Laura had orgasm when she was running. <laughs> no, what that's a weird not weird. That's um, not weird. That's not weird. What's weird is when people are like really weird and repressed. Like the thing that would weird me out the most when I worked at sex shops is when mm. people would come in uh, and like women who were either with their boyfriends or sometimes like with their gal pals would be looking at the display um, dildos and be like, Oh my god, that's so big. Why would anybody want that? That's so like gross. Oh. In this way where I was like, why are you here? <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? Be here. Whatever. You're judging but, the like, size. Yeah, what's that's what is mean. that? What is that? What are you saying? Because right. also the, the toy that you're holding right now is within the normal bell curve of human penises. So what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? And why are you saying it so confidently as, like, it, it was specifically this framing of, like, who would want this? Like It's like shaming someone Maybe else. Maybe say, like, I wouldn't want that. Right. Sure. Or, that but one's not for me. That's too big for me. I would like this me. one. Very different. Right. Very different than saying, like, wow, whoever that the person who buys this is, you know. It's it's a little, a like, slut-shaming. Yes. It is a little slut-shaming. It's like you've created an imaginary slut to be like, <laughs> yeah. right. she must be loose. Like, what are you talking like, no, about? No, like, vaginas are surprisingly expansive. Yeah, and some of them are bigger yeah. than others. Like, yeah. Yeah. I have a tiny vagina, okay? It's <laughs> tiny, and that probably would be too big for me. Yeah. But, like, some people have bigger vaginas. Like, I also two humans yeah. exited into the universe from my vagina. Yeah. It's what, like, vaginas can get real yes, big if they need real, to, they if they want to. Get a lot in As there. a person who has worked <clears throat> in sex shops and been to, you know, fetish parties, and yeah. I've seen a lot of things. And yeah. the human body is capable of a lot of things. When it's into it? A lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people forget that, like, the, the vagina, when we talk about the actual vagina itself, is a muscle. So, like, yeah, any other right. muscle in your body, you know, if you stretch in a healthy way mm. your legs mm -hmm. do they get permanently loosened no. no you just have like more of a range of motion if you stretch your legs in an unhealthy way more of a range of motion. do they suffer for it absolutely mm -hmm. um you know people experience a lot of pain discomfort tightness mm. from uh trauma yeah in that area but trauma yeah. is very different from like oh you know You've had sex before. Right. Ergo, you're Cons loose. Like, like what does that exploration? Yeah, that's a again. It's a. It's based on this understanding of human anatomy that's so like not scientific. Of like, no. your vagina is a muscle, like any other muscle in your body. Why would it work in this fundamentally different way from any other muscle in your body? Yeah. Mm. it's the same thing. It's Did you guys see that TikTok thing that was going around where people were like feeling their like this thing and no. being like, oh my god, no. it feels like a penis, like. What? 
if you the little like oh like the head yeah oh it does feel like penis <laughs> okay so Can we yeah, click this. I hope you're watching. This, yeah. I really hope y'all are watching. Does it feel like your penis? Do it. I mean, so the reason it feels that way is because it's a uh, that part of your of your tongue is called a frenulum. This is a frenulum too. Yes, and that's also what it's called on a penis. Yeah, a frenulum no is way. actually just a description of a. So type I have a penis in my mouth all the time. No. No. But you have a frenulum. You have a frenulum. Mm, frenulums frenulum. are not exclusive to penises. Voices oh. also have frenulums. You have multiple wait, frenulums wait, wait. in your mouth. Hold up. Yeah. Where else do we have frenulums? So there's a frenulum of here. There's a frenulum right. down here. Oh, it's so it's just a, a, part, a skin, like... A little bridge. Well, yes, a little it's a bridge. type of connective tissue. Oh. And so, again, people okay. have, like, the TikTok trend... I literally never upload TikToks and I made one because this one was bothering me so much <laughs> that I was like, guys, it's not weird. Like, yeah, yeah it's cool. Like, sure, that's it's yeah. fun to be like, wow, the human body, but it's actually not weird. To no. act like it's something like, like, oh my God, gross. There's yeah. something about my mouth that's like that's has gross. in common with a peanut. Yeah. No, you're it's a cool. Human being, that is cool. Your human body is made up of like the same yes. types of tissue. It's not like a magical kind of tissue that you have in your genitals that's like, well, like again, fundamentally different now, than yeah, any, any other part of you. Now your mouth is dirty. Aren't our like, genitals like, isn't it like the clitoris like, it could be a penis if it grew. Yeah. Oh, if you look at fetal development, I don't think people know that human beings. You know, we start off from the same from the same soup. You know what I mean? When yeah. You look at fetal development. Um, it's the same specialized cells that are going to become these organs. Mm -hmm. There's actually a really great graphic that I use in my like sex ed for adult classes or like um, actually. <gasps> Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> That's cute. Um, Very cute. I use it in my sex ed in, uh, classes also for young people, but it's mm -hmm. a, a diagram that has color coded um, like an internal view of a clitoris, right? So not just the external part, but also the internal like arms mm -hmm. and the, um, the vestibules that surround yeah. the vagina. And then a uh, diagram of a penis and yeah. testicles that is also color coded to show like these are the yeah. analogous tissues that at, a, at the very early stage in fetal development, you can see start to differentiate into these organs. Mm -hmm. So like the example that I like to use all the time is, um, I don't know why him, but Arnold Schwarzenegger and mm. I have very different bodies. <laughs> we are very different people. Yes. Very different people. <laughs> But we are both human beings. Uh -huh. And ultimately, that means there are things about the ways that our bodies work that we do have in common mm -hmm. and that are useful for us to know about each other, right? Mm. I mean, I haven't called him to let him know, like, what's up with my body. <laughs> you should do that. But I did watch Pumping Iron, which if you haven't seen it. Oh, my God. It's so funny. He's, he's a character. Um, a classic. So, I did see Jingle All the Way. Also oh, a classic. About that that is a classic. <laughs> Kindergarten Cops, my yeah, favorite. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I think that understanding of, again, it's one of the reasons why I started off in sex ed world, but then I went to social emotional learning and then mm. I went to body work and yoga and again, sort of grabbing these other practices and frameworks to, to build into what I was doing around pleasure because I realized that just being a sex ed teacher was not enough. Like mm -hmm. I can teach people all about how to put condoms on bananas, but if they don't know how to talk to their partner about using protection... What's the point? How have I helped them? Like, right. I can talk to people about protection and STIs. Yeah. If I don't talk to them about, like, how to f know in their body whether or not they want to do something. Right. How much have I helped them if the goal is, like, for mm. to experience pleasure? Mm. Um, and a big part of, honestly, what I do is um, working with people 
around, again, they come in thinking, I want to organize my life around pleasure. How do I have more orgasms? How do I, um, like I had a really memorable, it was a half hour consult with this client. And I was like, that was the most efficient half hour I've ever had where we started off and the client was like, I want to have an orgasm with another person. Like, that's my goal. I have a lot of sexual trauma. And the thing that I want to make happen is like having an orgasm with another person. So then we talked for a half an hour. And towards the end of it, I was like, okay, so based on everything that you've told me, you don't want to have an orgasm with another person. Hmm. Like you don't want to do that. That sounds, Aww. it's like scary. It's uncomfortable. There's a whole, there's a million other steps of exploring what pleasure is mm-hmm. that Before do not that. involve yeah. forcing yourself to want something because right. of what it would represent to you to want it. Right. right. What, it, what you Damn. think it means about you to have that thing. Yes. The idea that like, okay, I want to have more pleasure in my life. That means I need to have more orgasms is Again, it's this kind of backwards perspective of, no, an orgasm is something that can be part of a pleasurable experience. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my practice as a pleasure witch is like, wow, this flower is very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's very like, it's very stimulating to my senses to Mm. see something so beautiful and to really take it in. Um, And, you know, when people ask me, what is that definition of pleasure that I'm working with? I usually talk about like having the psychological safety to be fully present in my body. Mm. And so I, ideally that's happening during sex, Wow, right? Ideally that happens during sex, but ideally it's also happening a lot of places besides sex. Yes. I want to wow. feel that in as many places as I can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to feel psychologically safe enough to not have to mm-hmm. be cutting off certain parts of my perception yes. or fleeing my body that's, because I need to. I feel like I get a lot of pleasure of, in practicing magic and practicing witchcraft and living within that identity gives me a lot of that safety and that that sense of security that you're talking about right how like do you do you use do you how do you look at sex as like a ritual is it like a magical you ever like perform literal magical rituals with sex or pleasure yeah this is um it's a distinction that i find myself making a lot that pleasure witchcraft and sex magic are like there's an overlap but they're different things yeah right you're talking about different things because when we think about like a typical like oh we're talking talking about sex magic it's like there's a snake there's a pentacle you're naked yeah exactly like and and that's cool that's cool there's leather there's a time and a place for everything there's candles and that's cool but like yeah i'm just interested in like your perspective on like how do these show up in your like yeah Yeah. yeah so in my my personal practice right uh the, the distinction I would say between pleasure witchcraft and sex magic is that pleasure witchcraft is a framework and sex magic is a practice. Mm. So, you know, some people's practice involves more or less of sex magic, which is using the kind of energetic power generated by sexual desire, mm-hmm. sexual stimulation, like orgasm. Mm-hmm. These are all very powerful energetic yeah. wells we can draw from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, honestly, personally in my life, I don't do a lot of sex magic in my in my pleasure witchcraft practice. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I have anything against sex magic, but just because for me, a lot of what my pleasure practice ends up looking like is, again, rehabilitating my relationship mm-hmm. to pain, um, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And and also, like, really indulging in non-sexual pleasures mm-hmm. um, and really yeah. exploring non-sexual pleasures from a, a, a you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Just like extremely indulgent. I love exploring non sexual pleasures. Yes. It's one of my favorite activities. It's very erotic. Yes. Yeah. It's just like food, existing, food. Mm-hmm. smelling the air, like being in your senses, touch- right? Yes. Like feeling things. Yeah. And that is something. It's why we're that alive. Is digging in these through bodies. soil and making things grow mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. touching. I was kissing my rose petals the yes. other day. Like feeling the softness, that. like that's intimacy. And there's yeah. so many things that are even okay. sub our perception, right? Like sensations that we're not consciously picking mm-hmm. up, but that our bodies are picking up yes. when we're interacting yes. with our environment and really being in our Ooh, like was. Well, I mean, you know, like the the idea behind grounding and like getting oh, your right, feet right, right. into mm-hmm. the earth, right? Yeah. That it's not just about like, oh, it feels nice and mm-hmm. yeah, it's good there, to do, yeah, but also that there's there's that. intangibles. There's yes, like yeah. you're mycelium know, oh, yeah. is yeah. digging into yeah. the soil. There's a yes. connection that comes from, you know, again, being psychologically safe enough to be fully present in your body. Mm-hmm. That is mm. like this is also at the heart of um, polyvagal theory, which is also like a foundational framework in uh, my professional work and mm. my personal practice, um, which is essentially the idea that, uh, like we've been alluding to, right, your human body evolved to make things pleasurable and make things scary, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yes. To have the experience yeah. of I want to, I want more of that, I want to be closer to that, and I don't like that, mm-hmm. and I want to be further away from that. And I think we do such a disservice to ourselves as human beings in the 21st century in really trying to swim upstream against and fight against that like deeply embedded wisdom of your body saying like, I'm scared of that. Mm-hmm. You should stay away from it. Or mm-hmm. I want that. We should get closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. so much just like, I compare it to like holding a beach ball underwater where it's like the harder that you the, the further down you put it, the harder it hits you in the face yes. when it pops back yeah. up. Absolutely. Right? And you can keep doing that, but eventually you're going to be really sore. And then you're missing <laughs> you're out. You're really uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're not playing with it. You know exactly. I mean? yeah. like, because those those things that make you uncomfortable, I want to stay away from that, are sometimes like really invitations. Yes. I would say oftentimes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Having that attitude of, of compassionate curiosity mm-hmm. towards your own like ugly feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that's what I mean by, you know, rehabilitating my relationship to pain yeah. is a huge part of being a pleasure witch that mm-hmm. I have to recognize that my capacity to feel pleasure is directly connected to my capacity yep. to tolerate pain and to say like, okay, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I can stay here long enough to understand what this discomfort is trying mm-hmm. to tell me. And that's how I actually navigate towards pleasure Pleasure, if I'm too overwhelmed to be in my body long enough to understand like oh I'm anxious all the time because I hate my job Mm -hmm. and it's not something wrong with me it's that I hate my job and I shouldn't be there Mm -hmm. and the reason why my body is not cooperating with me even though I'm doing I'm meditating and I'm you know I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to is because I keep putting myself in the circumstance Mm -hmm. that my body is trying to motivate me away from yes and when you don't listen to your body it gets louder (sighs) and it gets violent and oppressive and that reminds me of like this pursuit of purity through denying yourself those things which is like religion right like a lot of religious and then you know yeah people get hurt right yeah in the process yes like majorly that's why so america is so violent because we were founded as a nation Mm -hmm. on like those puritanical ideologies and we have that like severe I'm just like all I think about right now is like Ron DeSantis and like yeah no I mean the American the American culture is one that has completely pathologized every kind of pleasure except for the pleasure of domination yeah Mm. like the only appropriate way to pursue Mm -hmm. pleasure in our current social context is like the pleasure of 
And without consent. Yeah. Like, how can you, how can you, I mean, that's, I think, politically very obvious that that's, I mean, it's not new information that narcissists and psychopaths are rewarded in American culture, like in finance and politics, simply an observable truth. But, you know, this reminds me of a conversation I was having with someone recently about the card temperance and like how Mm. in my practice, it took me a while to rehabilitate my relationship to that card because Mm. coming from this puritanical culture, I was like, fuck that angel. Yeah, literally. I'm sorry to that angel, but (laughs) wait, wait, let's, what is, I get confused with the temperance meaning. In Rider Waithe, it's the, it's, um, I think it's, uh, Michael. Yeah. Some say it's Michael. Some say it's Raphael. Okay. Just it's depends. an angry yeah. angel person. Um, no, not angry. It's they're not angry. Yeah. No. It's the important. I'm thinking of justice. No, that's different. It's the, it's the, okay, in my it's card, like it's a Leah. One foot in the, one Got foot it. in the water, one foot on the earth. Yes. Pouring okay. between two cups. Pouring between it's two the cups. cups. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, again, my association with temperance is like, and also, again, in the American context, what do we yeah. associate temperance with? Prohibition. Like, temperance means totally. you don't have any. Right. Temperance means it's puritanical, Prudence. it's restrictive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for a long time, I was like, Fuck this card. Fuck like, this card. I don't want that. Yeah. I, I rebuke that yeah. uh, in my life. Oh, okay. So the work of like really becoming a tarot reader, mm-hmm. right? Not just playing around with the cards, but being like, I have a relationship to my deck. Yeah. Was trying to figure out how can I appro- approach this aspect of my human experience with compassionate curiosity. Mm. And yeah. the Spolia deck actually that I was mentioning to you earlier really helped me with this because the iconography on that card shows temperance as a figure in um, like a bondage harness. Yeah. And that clicked something into place for me so quickly huh. of like, this card is about the pleasure of restriction and the yeah. pleasure that comes from mm, like certain kinds of self-denial, right? It's the thing of, it's the ice cream thing. Yeah. Uh, the less yeah. often I do it, the yeah. more pleasurable it is, the more special the moderation. it feels. Exactly. Mm. To me, it's like a moderation card. Yes. The, the song that I use, it's Aaliyah and the song is, we need a resolution. We have so much confusion, but it's like, yeah, we need a, yeah, it's just sort of like a, yeah. Not meant to be like completely restrictive, but right. having like moderated mm. well, bounds again, that you give yourself. I think going back to that like one foot on the earth, one foot in the water, yeah. it's like it's a recognition of the ways that our like physical and material and mm-hmm. you know, resource stuff is connected to our emotional world. Yes. And yeah. a recognition that like, yeah, it's not just about taking care of yourself because that's what you're supposed to do, right? It's about creating the conditions for you to experience pleasure mm-hmm. to be safe enough in your body and in your environment to, to enjoy experience living. pleasure yes it's mm-hmm. a pretty radical card right i love temperance yeah, yeah. I, I had a big 180 on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that bondage harness really like again yeah. it really it There's made something so accessible yeah yeah that's why i love looking at different decks, decks. yeah yes. because it's like they have different perspectives yeah i talk about yeah. it like poetry you know what i yeah. mean where it's it's yeah the cards mean something but it's in the same way that words mean things mm-hmm. and if you sit with a poem and the dictionary side by side and try to read mm. a poem that way of like yeah this word means yeah. this and this word mm-hmm. means that mm-hmm. um you're probably gonna have a really shallow experience of poetry yeah you'll it's, be bored yeah mm-hmm. it's, it, you're, you won't get it you'll look at people who love poetry and be like i don't yeah, understand i don't, don't get, get it. it what are you getting yeah. out of this and that's because like the relationship to at least for the tarot readers that I mm-hmm. tend to connect with and talk to, is a lot more and poetic. It's yeah, about it's personal. vibes. Yeah, yes. um, it's you know I've come to understand like my role as a person who reads cards for others as like the clients that I get are not just I'm the person that they need to have mm-hmm. read their cards. They're the people that 
I need to read cards for. You know yeah. what I mean? It's always for you yeah. too. It's always like, mm-hmm. oh, I needed, I needed this. Yeah. I needed this reminder mm-hmm. in this language that's so different from like, it's so amazing to me, especially now having been a reader for seven or eight years, mm-hmm. like to see how different people really do throw cards differently. Mm-hmm. And like, interesting. like I remember the first time that I got strength in a negative placement for somebody and was like, what does it mean? <laughs> this is, I, I literally, this is like my favorite card. Yeah. Like my favorite. This yeah. Is, so I was like, I don't, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to read, I'm going to interpret this the way that I best know yeah. how. Mm-hmm. And, you know, explained, I was like, this is what this card means and this is what reversal is. What does that mean to you? Yeah. And she was immediately like, oh yeah, like I'm, I, I need to understand myself as weak. Like I need to understand myself as fragile. The problem that I'm having right now is that I'm relying on a kind of, like I'm putting mm-hmm. my hands in the lion's mouth and I don't need to be, yeah. um, you know, and this was a black woman that I was speaking yeah. to. So I was like, yeah, I get that hundred percent that the, the, um, idea that, yeah, your resilience can be something that's really beautiful and that connects you with mm. yourself and that feels really um, useful and, and powerful. Exhausting. Yeah, it's not really, again, there's no card in the deck that we're supposed to be in all the time. Yep. You mm. know, there's no card in the deck that is all the way good or all the way bad. Yes. It's very dialectical. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just like nature, like seasons. Just like everything yeah, else. Everything, yeah. Again, yes. to go back to that two of swords, there really, it, there is nothing in our natural world that exists in that kind of binary. Mm-hmm. That's an illusion that we create that sometimes is helpful. It can be right. sometimes helpful to, yeah. again, blind ourselves from certain information mm-hmm. and just go with that black and white right. thinking. But it is not natural. But it's not a permanent state of existence. And that's the reason yeah. why when you increase in the swords, mm-hmm. things get more painful like that's the reason why by the time you're at the ten of swords you're like i'm literally i can't move actually dead like i'm literally i'm dead wow (laughs) i literally i can't even like i'm dead interesting Mm -hmm. and what comes right before that i can't sleep so what happens when you can't sleep and you ignore that Mm -hmm. and you're like let me just take melatonin let me just like yeah you know have better sleep hygiene yeah and ignore the fact that like yeah i want a divorce you know what i mean like okay so what do you think is going to happen mm-hmm it's so interesting that you're saying like sometimes the cards that we pull are for us because we've been getting the two of swords a lot. And we were saying the last time that it's for us. It's not like somehow it's for one of us or both of us or like the show as a whole or like something. Yeah. I definitely connect to that in multiple ways. So maybe it's for me. I don't know. It's just interesting that Mm. it keeps coming up because y'all that have been watching like know that that keeps coming up and we don't like, this is an authentic card pull. Like we're not doing yeah. this on yeah, purpose. This. Yeah, I was shocked that. Yeah. And you shuffle. You know what you're doing. I mean, it's I've like done it a few times. A few times, Caitlin's yeah. done it. That's so interesting to me. I'm also like, for me, I'm having this awareness now when I'm working with tarot in like a client reader capacity, like or just with myself and my spirits. Mm-hmm. The two of swords is often a reminder to like get thee to the crossroads Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I finally got back to my altar and my craft with this new moon and this solstice and I realized as I was doing it and looking through all my stuff I'm like oh I haven't done anything for myself magically since February and I think that's something that a lot of professional spiritual practitioners fall into because we're so much of service to our communities yeah that we put ourselves on the back burner. I think I remember listening to 
the Conjure South podcast and Queen Cotillo is talking about that too. And I was like, Ooh, that was a read for me. <laughs> um, yeah. But I kept like, get the, do the crossroads. Right. And like, I did. But now I also, it's a reminder, like, but don't stop now. Right. Yeah. Like, don't stop me now. Yeah. Exactly. Um, mm, magic is real. Magic, magic is real. real. Magic is, I mean, yeah, this, like, the question that I would get all the time of like, mm. oh, but do you really believe in this, like, crazy, like, <laughs> woo-woo stuff? And it's like, I, like, I don't know if it is real, but I know it's true. Like, I don't know if it's, like, Boom. provable, but I know exactly. that it's it's happening. I'm, like, experiencing yeah. it. And I can't, I mean, I think we are talking earlier about, like, what is what is science? And to me, it's, like, science yeah. is the parts of magic that we've been able to figure out. It's yeah. the parts of how the world works that we have the senses and the capacity yeah. to understand. That we have enough, like, evidence by Western yeah. standards to and not even just that, but qualify. by, like, just coming back to that idea of, like, the human body is an imperfect instrument. Your perception is not all that. Right. Your ob- observation really is not, not all that. Yeah. Like, we know that eyes cats and dogs you. see the world differently than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How arrogant to think that the way that we see yeah. the world, is that the our visual information, way. Yes. if I can't see it, it's not real. And, yes. to, and also that knowing something is true is what makes it true. Right. Like, we talk all the time about how mystery and not knowing is the magic. Yeah. sometimes that's the part of, the of faith. it yeah but yeah and that's powerful mm-hmm. there yes. are secrets there's secrecy i mean the that's what it means has. to have faith right yeah. if i could mm-hmm. prove it then it wouldn't be faith anymore then it wouldn't no. be fun it wouldn't be it wouldn't fulfill that thing that witchcraft fulfills for me which yes. is that need for a spiritual connection that i believe mm-hmm. is part of our our human yeah, animal yeah, like yeah. the way that we yes. are designed to work mm-hmm. is we are meant to have a relationship with something that is outside of yes outside of ourselves and to me that feels very connected Mm -hmm. to this reality that like yeah because I can't perfectly perceive the universe and Mm -hmm. it would be ridiculous of me to think that I can Mm -hmm. yes you know humbling yeah I don't know how things work yeah I just know what's working the mystery is always going to exist no one person is going to figure out every single thing of the universe the person who thinks that they have is the the mystery is wrong is the most wrong person is the most annoying person and the most (laughs) oppressive the most violent the most insecure absolutely that's a that two of swords oftentimes is a reflection of I feel insecure I'm holding it all day I don't feel safe and so I need to I need to break this down to yes or no yep Mm-hmm. I don't have tolerance for a spectrum of possibilities. Right, yes. And that person also doesn't have a, a tolerance for pleasure, right? Mm. Like the spectrum of possibility that comes with being in your body enough to feel pleasure. Yes. Right? Being sensitive enough that you're like, I accept the possibility of discomfort yes. in my pursuit Fuck. of... Yeah. You have to yeah. accept the... Po- yes, the discomfort. I was literally... I picked up my kid... My kid. <laughs> my kid. My kid. That sounds so weird. Um, my kiddo <laughs> from camp yesterday... And I was like, what'd you guys practice today? And he was like, well, we learned scatting, but I didn't do it because I was uncomfortable. And I was like, well, you missed an opportunity because it's the stuff that makes us the most uncomfortable that ends up being the most exciting, like, exploration. Mm -hmm. We don't learn things about ourselves unless we're uncomfortable. I will say, though, (laughs) on your kiddo's behalf, that I think that's a really – I do think that's a really – good and and useful and powerful thing for them to have been able to recognize in that moment (laughs) because yeah yeah, like I think like music dance a lot of forms of creative expression Mm -hmm. they are very connected to our relationship to pleasure right yeah it's it's about being 
in your mm-hmm. body enough mm-hmm. to allow these things to flow. And I tell this to my clients all the time, right? If you're having a hard time experiencing pleasure by yourself, what makes you think that adding somebody else into the equation is going to make that easier? Totally. Everything that yes. human beings do is harder when we feel observed. Mm. Like it, when it comes to this realm yeah. of self-expression and creativity. Yes. If, if you have any kind of sticking points there, they're going to get even stickier when you're in an environment where you feel yeah. overly observed. Yeah. And... That has a physiological yeah. impact, right? Um, I My partner is a music teacher, and we talk about this a lot with mm-hmm. singing or playing instruments, where yeah. your psychological and emotional state really affects yeah. how able you are to physically oh, interact with your instrument, whether it's an external or yeah. your physical instrument. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's it's like if, you're, if your kiddo was my student, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like that would be... Probably the thing that I would say to them is, like, Mm. I think it's really awesome that you recognize that this was not the place to do it. What would you need to feel safe enough to try it? Like, what would be the environment that would be, like, do you need to be alone? Do you need something in your environment to, like, something that's comfortable for you? Like, a more comfortable Mm. chair? Do you want to light a candle? You know what I mean? Yes. These These are the things that for me, okay. are the center of my practice. Right? I'm taking this back home with me. Yeah. Damn, that's, no, it's no. hitting my little inner child too. That's, there was an experience I had where I'm a singer and like a performer. And I was singing in my room and it was very, I needed to be alone and feel mm-hmm. safe to do that when I was a kid. And this one time I was just like, do to do in my bed or singing like Tiffany or some shit <laughs> and, or like Debbie Gibson. And, um, and my dad came in unexpectedly and I was like, oh, are you singing? Oh, like, and wasn't mean about it, but, yeah. but that, like, I remember that was, like, a traumatic moment. Oh, I literally have a similar, you know I, mean? yeah. I was, like, talking to myself, just, and like, now talking I'm, like, out loud, playing video games, and my uncle walked in and did it, like, was like, yeah. what are you doing? And wasn't being mean. No, yeah, like. Like, wasn't making fun. Was like, was trying kind of, like, to interact. Yeah. And, but it was so, like, I was, like, it was invading my, my space. Yes. Like, it felt very invasive to me, and, and it's, like, affected the way that I perform and and thing and sing and like mm-hmm. I'm okay now but like it's you know yeah there's needs to be conditions right. mm. but like needing I'm a person that needs a lot of space mm-hmm. to like explore creative creatively and like yeah because mm-hmm. I mean singing is a very vulnerable thing for sure it's very mm-hmm. vulnerable and like playing music and instrument mm-hmm. whatever and like and when, learning is vulnerable. Yeah, learning like, is practicing vulnerable. is vulnerable. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because right? someone could judge you. And that's sort of why we talk about uh, when when young kids, young kids today are like <laughs> learning magic and just sharing everything yeah. they're fucking doing on TikTok. Yeah. It's kind of scary to me right. as someone who needed a lot of seek, secure space to like right. Safety, do that. And then privacy. having everyone comment mm-hmm. like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And like. It's it's very over. It just seems like a lot to me, at least. I yeah, don't know. I've really I'm yeah. I'm like more and more kind of orienting myself towards like okay, everybody who follows me on Instagram, join my new- newsletter. You have a very healthy. Um, <laughs> thank you, but I don't want it anymore. A boundary. Um, I don't want that social media thing to be like a thing that I am engaging in anymore yeah. because yeah. for the thing that I do, I feel like a liar. If I'm like telling people right. you should live more pleasurably, but I'm telling you that on the hell app that's made to make you feel bad and to exploit that human animal and say, hey, you know how you care about other people because you're social fundamentally? Mm-hmm. I want to use that to make money. Yeah. That's literally what mm-hmm. these platforms yeah. are for. You're not wrong. 
And if I know that's true and I know that I want all people to live an integrated life and the healthy pursuit of pleasure, mm-hmm. I'm not going to educate on Instagram anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not going to do the like, here's a bite-sized piece of information yeah. that you can use to, you know, because that gives people, I think, a false impression that they've done the work when really what you've done is gotten a little, you know, some little dopamine juice yeah. mm-hmm. and then you scroll down to an ad. Yeah, yeah. You know, You're it's right. it's not it's not actually an environment for facilitating pleasure. It's not actually an environment for doing real education or real connection. Um, it's one of the reasons why I've been focusing so much more on one-on-one work at this point. Because even when I'm doing group classes, I'm like, you know, this would be better if I could just tell you what you need. Yeah, right? this would be better if I could talk to you about what you are worried about because mm-hmm. everyone's so different. I, I admire that so much about you that you have the that you're not willing to exploit your beliefs and like your no gorgeous face <laughs> like yeah. it's nowhere on the gram like no, God. no like, i had to scroll a baby, long way to find could. a photo you know no, i'm not using my my thirst traps are all in private right, right, right. i'm not i'm not I using my pretty privilege shit out yeah. of that because it's just rare to meet people that like we've talked about like that you admire in right. the magical space and like that have those types of um values and actually sure. practice what they preach Absolutely. I mean, especially it's now. Really, it's really rare, at least in my experience, to mm-hmm. come across people like that, which is why we wanted to have you on the mm-hmm. pod. I mean, that's, you know, I think especially since you know, 2014, 2015, when I was first like dipping my toes into this world and it was still so very new. And just mm-hmm. in the last like seven or eight years has become this thing that's like. I mean, like every subculture, right? Somebody figured out they could make money on it. Yeah. And now we have like huge brands being like, what soap should you buy based on your astrology sign? Like, yeah. Okay. Irish Spring. <laughs> That's for Gemini's. Um, yeah. <laughs> LOL. The, yeah, I think that that it's honestly, I was talking about this with a friend the other day where I was like, I'm honestly getting sick of calling myself a witch professionally. I'm kind of getting to a point where I don't yeah. want to be like, I'm marketing myself as a witch because people come into it then having a different expectation mm-hmm. of what yeah. I'm doing because witch now has been co-opted yeah. by like the Instagram love and light mm-hmm. crystal grid people, yep. Yep. you know? We talk about that a lot. Yeah. yeah, and it's not, it's, I mean, I am still a witch. I yeah. still identify as yeah. a witch, but when it comes to the way that I am, presenting myself out in the world um it's funny that you are like oh wow you have such good boundaries because I feel like this happens every time people say that to me where I'm like it doesn't feel like I have good boundaries in an effortful way it feels like my body just does not let me do the other thing Mm -hmm. like I get so physiologically distressed from not doing the thing that I need to do that it stops feeling optional. But that mm-hmm. distress is informing you and like no, you're it's listening. Good. I like it. You're I used able to, to not listen. like it. I like it now. Yeah. Yes. Because I started listening to it. I didn't like it when I wasn't listening to it because it made my life miserable. Yeah. yeah. And I felt bad all the time. Yeah. But once I started listening to it and yeah. was like, oh, you don't like that? Okay, I won't do that mm-hmm. anymore. Then I actually started to feel better and we didn't have to mm-hmm. be enemies. Yeah. Like me and yeah. my sensitive tummy didn't have to fight anymore. No. Instead yeah. I could be like, oh, my tummy's sensitive. We're friends now. Yeah. And like, maybe I should leave this room, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my, tell me something. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, I come from a world of selling tchotchke, clout chaser, appropriation weirdos. So yeah. that's who I. You know, it's it's I'm a business person like right. that. So yeah, to, but I'm also a witch. My business is a little different than what you guys do. Right. But so yeah, I see more of that. Just like who do mm-hmm. I gotta like? Who, yeah. who do I gotta? Sh- There's a lot of more strategy that goes into like building yeah. your brands right. and shit and. It's a little exhausting to just witness. So yeah. when it comes to like my personal friend space, 
I appreciate both oh, of you yes. very much. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a kind of um, work that I feel really lucky to do that I can say, like, actually, like, I don't want to do the, like, click funnels thing Aww. and have that not be, like, could I be making more money that way? Maybe. But the type of, like, the quality of connection that I have with my clients is so rich and almost all of them say some version of that in our first conversation of like mm-hmm. the reason I'm talking to you is because I don't feel like you're trying mm-hmm. to sell me something and I feel like you actually want to help me, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm yeah. talking to you because I haven't heard somebody say the thing that you said before and mm-hmm. the thing that you said was, you know, Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Like this That's thing. why it's so important like as readers. I think that it can be really easy to get overwhelmed because – there's a seeming oversaturation of readers out there. But if you are showing up as your authentic self, Mm -hmm. whatever that means for you, Mm -hmm. whether it's Instagram, or I I like to play with Instagram, whatever it is. I'm a YouTube, I only have a newsletter. Mm -hmm. You can find my forum from 1992. Like whatever way you show up. My still available. My GeoCities. As long as you show up authentically, (laughs) there are people who are looking specifically for you and it's hard to believe if you've never done it Mm -hmm. and you will never believe it if you never do it if you never show up as yourself if you keep trying to be like that person like that person like that person you're never going to experience how incredible it feels when you have a client shop at your table and say like I came to you. I'm here for because you. Because yeah. you're you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I've been thinking a lot about this mm-hmm. in just like again spiritually, professionally, how I keep mm-hmm. these things aligned. That I'm more and more moving away from like I'm an educator to I'm an expert. If you're mm-hmm. coming to my table, you're coming for my expertise. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, like, and this comes from working mm-hmm. in specialty retail, honestly, and mm-hmm. being at, working at a sex shop and being like, working at a sex shop is way better than working at Target. Yeah. Because when people come to talk to me, they know I know more than them. Yes. There's yeah. a, there's something that they're coming to from me that's not just like, um, can you fold this or whatever? Right. Like, um, I knock this over. I Do you have a size two? Yeah, it's this it's in the back. two, four, five. What it's is like I have a, I have Mingles. to have a conversation with somebody about maybe something that they've never talked about yeah. even with the people that they have sex yes. with. So yes. it's a very different kind of relationship, and I want people who are coming to that table because they're like, I want, I know the the thing that I value and the mm-hmm. thing that I want. I just know also know that I don't know how to do it by myself, mm-hmm. right? And then that's where and I can step in. And that you can help yes. me. Yes, right. I love that. And by doing that and living like that and finding what gives you pleasure in life and leaning into it you're not compromising like anything really like I mean that's why it's tolerable to be broke right because on a day-to-day basis am I broke yes but when I think about like if I had to color in how many days I feel like at least one time that day like wow I'm so lucky Mm -hmm. to be experiencing this thing Mm -hmm. that I'm experiencing right now yeah like, you don't have to have a lot of money to make that happen. Yes. No. Don't get me wrong. Financial anxiety is really real. Yes, like, is it, absolutely. That, that, like, paralyzing, like, scarcity stuff is Every very, month. very real. <laughs> Rent's about to be due. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, <clears throat> it's uh, it's unpleasant. Yeah. But yeah. that kind of unpleasant is very different from the kind of unpleasant where it's like, I can't tell you how many people I talk to where it's like, okay, you want to have more pleasure mm-hmm. in your life. What do you like? And they're like. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it yeah, feels like to like something well enough to really identify. Oh my gosh. I like this thing. Yes. So much of my work revolves around that yeah. with people. They come to me because they're like, I want to have a spiritual practice. I want to mm-hmm. be a medium like you. And then they're shocked because. 
their guides are like, step one is yeah. getting to know yourself. Right. And you can't get to know yourself until you know how to take care of it's yourself. It's literally like, get back in the house. Yeah. Like, you're water. not ready yet. Yeah. Like, drink water. Mm-hmm. Like, eat food. Again, this client mm-hmm. who was like, I want to have an orgasm with another person. I was, no, you don't. No. No, you don't. And the more that you try mm-hmm. and push yourself towards wanting that or doing that, the more you're going to traumatize yourself. Frankly. Absolutely. Like, the further yes. back you're putting. It's like, it's like any other kind of, you know skill building mm-hmm. like for the body right if I go to the gym and I've never worked out before and I go straight to like yeah, the 500 you're gonna hurt pounds, yeah. I'm gonna injure myself <laughs> and then I'm going to have a really hard time getting into strength training because yes. I've injured mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. and also I'm going to have proven to myself maybe what I already thought was yeah, true which you, is I can't work out you can't start at the finish line no no nobody does it's honestly it's hmm. it's some it's a way that we are encouraged to think because capitalism but right. it is one of the most self-sabotaging ways of thinking Absolutely. that are out there like it's a it's a horrible trap <laughs> and it oftentimes yeah it gets us into situations that I mean, I can think of many examples in my own life where mm. it's like I did something unconsciously to prove to myself the the bad thing that I already believed was mm-hmm. real was true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm I'm that's magic in itself, isn't it? <laughs> and you know, again, coming to recognize like, ooh, I'm I'm uh, my energy is doing things when I'm not paying attention to mm-hmm. it, right? You can I. Again, this conference with this mm-hmm. woman who I heard speak was amazing. One of the other things she said was, "You can live your life by design, or you can live your life by default." Mm-hmm. You yeah. can be a witch by design, or you can be a witch by default. Yeah. Yep. Whether or not you know it, you're energetically doing stuff. Yep. It's about whether or not you're doing that on purpose or not. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of like money doesn't buy happiness. No. It can if you're like it can buy security. It can yeah. buy you out of problems. But I mean, it can if like you're doing something that you love. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. It's. I mean, it is that sort of. I hate to invoke the hierarchy of needs, but that the more I think uh, intuitive version of the hierarchy of needs, which is, yeah, we have different dimensions of need to be well, right? There's a reason yeah. why I use the phrase psychosocial wellness. It's about not just my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, my social health. All of these things are part of what it means to be well as a human being. Mm-hmm. And you know, having in mind that we need all of these things to be well, yeah, financial in a world under capitalism, not having money makes it a lot harder to get a lot of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're in a circumstance where you can, you know, reach into your pocket and infinitely know you're, that you're not going to hit the bottom, there are certain problems uh, or certain issues, certain things that because we live under capitalism, yeah. it is easier to navigate around. Yeah. That's not like a natural thing about, no. you know, that's how not the how world works. That's not how this was designed. No. no. It's like a function. That's right. a function of that. Yeah. I mean, we were yeah. talking about this before we started recording yeah. that like neurotypical just means that you're compatible with capitalism. Yeah. Like neurotypical means that you can hold on a job. It doesn't mean your brain is better. No. Maybe the goal of like, I want to be rich. I need a bigger, like it's. I don't, maybe it's just unlearning that standard. 100%. Like for happiness, right? It's like, oh, like I'm actually happy now where I am, like with what I have to a certain extent. Yeah. Like that seems like a nice, like that's like the pain. I don't explain it as well as you, but like it's like the pain pleasure thing. 100%. So there's a somatic exercise that I do with people um, that is, don't try this at home because there's more instruction that goes into it <laughs> and it, is, it can potentially be dangerous because I ask people to do closed eyes balancing exercises right. and it is almost impossible to balance when you have your eyes closed because of mm. how your vestibular system works. It's hard. So it's a practice of intentional failure. 
And the purpose of doing that mm-hmm. exercise is to see how you talk to yourself when you fail at something that you know is impossible. Mm-hmm. Why are you so mad at yourself for failing at something that you know mm-hmm. is impossible? Yeah. Why are you pushing so hard to succeed at the thing that you know is impossible? Yeah. Yes. And helping people to start to, like, oh, in, incorporating that into my own somatic practice was a big part of unlearning perfectionism mm-hmm. and starting to recognize, like, Happiness is not a place that I get to by accomplishing things. It's a way that I feel by paying attention to my body. Mm -hmm. And balance is a really good way to practice that, right? How do I keep my balance? I pay attention to what's going on in my body. How do I know I need to put my foot down before I fall? I pay attention to what's going on in my body. And again, there's a lot more instruction that goes into the dialogue of this, but it's all designed around helping people to feel that experience Mm, of if I listen to myself actually, then this impossible thing can be pleasurable. Mm -hmm. It can be pleasurable to experience this failure because I'm experiencing it feeling psychologically safe enough to be fully in my body. Right. That's really, I have a lot, I have trauma from going to a, a two-year no like yeah literally like going to a two-year conservatory mm-hmm. or like because there are arts that require like like ballet is a good example yes. of like there is a standard that you need to reach and if you don't there's a lot of negative feelings like it's, i can see I mean, your lunch it's literally why are you even doing problem. this yeah and why are you even here mm-hmm. i didn't i'm I didn't grow up doing ballet 24-7, but I have trained in, like, other areas, and, like, <clears throat> tap is my thing. And, like, there's, like, the arts can be – like, I went to a two-year very intense acting school for two years, and all I did were a lot of exercises, like, the antithesis to what you're saying. Right. Like, a lot of Controlling. learning how to be a clog in the machine mm-hmm. of the theater. Like, yeah. how to work well with others in an ensemble. Like, we did this thing called viewpoints where we would walk around in a room and not try to not hit each other, like, at full speed. So be as be as be as aware yeah. of your surroundings as possible. It's in a like, very fearful way. In a very fearful yeah. way. And we did this thing that, that was this Japanese art of, like, um, trying to perfect impossible tasks, but the mm-hmm. exact opposite of what right. you're saying. Like, and, and, and like, it's like soldier training almost. Mm-hmm. Like it was these things that it really fucked me up psychologically. Yeah. And like, I'm still unlearning a lot of the perfectionism standards mm-hmm. that I was taught because they are preparing you to like be a professional right. theater person. But it's like, it's, it's an, I just don't, I just, I'm unlearning so much of it and it's, it's harmed me in ways that like, I don't think people talk about because it sounds kind of silly, like, oh, but it's the same thing as like a church religious thing almost like there's these standards that, which I don't have experience with church at all, but I would think that's sort of for me, like maybe the closest thing I can Mm -hmm. feel to that. Like it's, it's, and I know other people that went to this school too, that they don't de- uh, they don't debrief you before they let you leave. Mm-hmm. It's just you just go out into the world like this, right. and then Thanks. it's oh, tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty right. wild. But that's those those exercises are beautiful, and like the way I interpret dance and singing and art and creativity, how I've always have, but especially after that is like there is a I don't give a if you're a terrible dancer, like your quality of movement, your intensity, your like full, like however mm-hmm. you want to move your body is like right. right. All bodies yeah. are right. Like all voices are right. Like, yeah, good and, dancing is dancing where you feel psychologically safe enough yeah. to be present in your body. And that yes. being like that, that come that that's the goal with right. any performer is like to be that present and that comfortable. And that's what people want to watch. I mm-hmm. think that's what makes people eat. Not to go on a creative 
performance tangent, but like that's what makes people yeah not not yeah. hammering people into being a certain thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna cry now. That that's important too, because I lost a lot of my individual confidence right. when I did that, mm -hmm. and it really f sucks. Yeah. And um, it's effortful to get that back. Like mm -hmm. it's something that I'm we're Give away. No, it really it's sucks okay. to be like your voice isn't as good as so and so's right. or like yeah it was I'm a fucking good singer okay <laughs> like it's just well and the, it's, it's like it's the follow up awful. to that of then you don't get to sing but it's like because your voice isn't good enough it's, you don't get to sing it's when it's weird. singing is a it's a part of our mm -hmm. like it's part of human and it's nature especially yes. sucks you know when it comes from like family or yeah. and which yeah. has happened to me too and it's just like people that have you know sibling rivalries and things right. and like parents that put one above the other mm -hmm. and stuff like yeah. it's i mean again this and but this is a byproduct not of art and creativity but of capitalism yeah right? mm -hmm. it's yes. like if without exactly. capitalism art and creativity would not need to be competitive in a way that exactly. then engenders this anxiety exactly it would just be a part of our again, what it's supposed to be which it's is part of our self-expression yes. part of our emotional what hygiene it always was before mm -hmm. which was just part of being a human just expressing yes. and and I really, I I want to like do or teach, maybe that's something we could collaborate on, but like having movement classes, like mm -hmm. magic movement classes, because yeah. like indigenous peoples, like pre, you know, pagan people, like we moved, yeah. like we, we did ritual with movement. And I think a lot of people are just out of their body spaces in that yeah. way. And it's, it's the the thing I see the least of on witch talk. You don't sure. ever see body someone stuff. actually doing a moving spell like or just you know what i mean mm -hmm. like yeah i don't know i just or, think I mean, that'd be do, an interesting like the ceremonial thing magic context right where it's like it's all very ordered and structured or it's and like has a almost to like a sign right there but like when people point to the corners let's uh, let's yeah, cut yeah, that yeah. out With gestures when they do gestures to like right. different whatever but it's all very like not free it's not about yeah. expression right there's there is an appropriate utility to structure but there's also a, yeah. a desperate deficit of self-expression but you in have our to be to perform witchcraft in general for me you have to be comfortable in your own space like you were saying right. like this is the that's what mad that's what makes you able to focus your intent yes. and your energy is being like in that state yeah. of mind I tell people all the time, like when I talk about witchcraft, I talk about it as you know, you have int intuition and manifestation. Those are fundamental things all people can do. That's yeah. our starting point. If you agree, let's go. We're off to the mm -hmm. races. But then the second thing to acknowledge and to internalize is, and you have to do the intuition first. Mm -hmm. Like you, I think people want to, they were like, I want to get into magic. I want to do a spell. Yeah. I want to, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I want to go yeah. buy a spell that's already been done for me and mm -hmm. then it's going to fix my life. Yeah. And that is a very, again, capitalistic mm -hmm. Western perspective mm -hmm. on what spirituality is or how spirituality should serve us. Yeah. You know, you need to have your hands on the steering wheel before you hit the gas pedal. Yes. You need to yes. know where you're going and why you're going there before you start going. Mm -hmm. Because if you start going with all the dysfunctional capitalism stuff that's still stuck Hanging to you and here. left to you yes. yeah guess where you're gonna end up mm -hmm. because like our magic requires our actions to meet our intentions yes. and if we're not in tune with our intuition then we are not making moves right. in our day-to-day -day life that align yeah. with what we exactly. really want exactly yeah. that literally is alignment yeah. what are we talking about being aligned mm -hmm. it's not about me being aligned with my environment necessarily it's no. about me being aligned with myself Yes. And listening to what my body's telling me about the environment, yes. right? Listening yes. to what yes. my, I am actually yes. knowing and intuiting and mm -hmm. have wisdom about in yeah. my body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. That's like invaluable 
advice and information. And it's crazy. It feels crazy, especially having been, um, you know, in this work for my entire professional career, most of my adult life, like I've been in this, in this world. So to me, I'm like, obviously, right? Like, okay, so, so, uh, so obviously we're all on the same page, right? That like people are people. And no, of course we're not. Of course we're not. But I think, so we're not, but also we are because Mm -hmm. you know, that poem, Wild Geese, Mm -mm. Mary Oliver, Mm-mm. You do not have to be good. You do not have to crawl through the desert on your hands and knees. It's a very beautiful poem. Mm. And it ends with the line, or it's not the very end, but it's towards the end. Um, you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Mm. If I see somebody post that poem on their Instagram, you know what I mean? If I see somebody quote that poem mm-hmm. in a conversation, I'm like, wow. you're a witch. Whether or not yeah. you know it, you're a witch. Yeah. Because if you are, like, I remember when the first time I read that poem mm-hmm. and how much I, like, cried and was like, oh, my God, this is such a. Should is, we read it? I mean, yeah. I'm going to read it. Oh, my God, we can do a little dramatic reading. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a very beautiful poem. Um, what is it I mean, called? Uh, Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. And she's a great um, poet in general. She's got a couple of poetry books that are, it's all along those same lines. I would really encourage you if you're somebody who's like, I'm oh, working gosh. through perfectionism or I'm working through, I mean, exactly the stuff that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, pick up a book of Mary Oliver poetry, you know, see all what right. it gives you. <laughs> this is the poem by Mary Oliver. Wild geese, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about your despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. That's fucking beautiful. That's a really, like, honestly, that's how I feel about connecting to the world and magic and right. it's such a beautiful fucking poem yeah i mean yeah like i've I never said, cried it's, this much on the podcast it's cancer season Welcome, i'm a y'all. cancer i'm penis. usually the one who cries all day this is, i'm usually not a cry baby this is actually really I you're really not I'm, I'm not a cry baby. i cry all the time oh, oh yeah you've seen I have me a yeah cancer we, everyone else is crying and i'm we like, had a spectrum of crying and mm-hmm. i was in the middle <laughs> Julia I like cry for other people. Like I just, <laughs> I'm always crying. I, I crying say, is pleasurable for me. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah, I don't. I do cry actually often. <laughs> I usually don't cry around people because again, it's hard to do things mm-hmm. around other people. But I yeah. definitely am a person who's like, I'm crying because this bee is so cute. It feels like, so yeah. You know what I mean? I'm crying yes. because I love my cat so much. Like yes. these things that are. Oh my god, it's very pleasurable. The, the earth makes me cry, yes. cry all the One time. One of my biggest cry. like pleasure, like pleasure witch moments right mm-hmm. this was maybe a year or two after I graduated this was like a big pivot point for me was I had just broken up with somebody and I was like sitting in my bathtub crying and I just had this like ecstatic experience of like how amazing it is that my human body has the capacity to feel mm. this huge thing like this huge feeling that's so yeah. like like again, mm-hmm. I was I, I was in the bath. I think that's significant. I felt psychologically yeah. safe enough to mm-hmm. be in my body and be in my despair, right? To be mm-hmm. like, wow, I feel really bad, and that is 
feeling something. Like that's what it is to be alive. Yeah. I will say, I you know, I don't always feel that way when I'm mm-hmm. sad. Like it's, it's not always right. accessible. No. And I think it's important as practitioners, mm-hmm. right, to make that clear to people. Absolutely. That, yeah, it's not just sunshine and roses every day. You don't always have to appreciate your grief. No. No, no, no. no. Right. But having that ecstatic experience was, like I said, a big pivot it's point special. in my practice. Yeah. Yes, because it was, again, it was part of recognizing, oh, this isn't just about feeling good. This isn't just about doing stuff that's fun and sexy and, mm-hmm. you know, it's yes. not It's not just about the, like, we glamour really and the beauty. We really haven't talked about, like, actual intercourse at all in this episode. How are you and doing I, it? <laughs> it's like, actual intercourse. It's one of these. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, actual. because, like, How are we doing is just it? I don't know. So, pleasure is just so It's beyond that. Well, and here's the thing. And incredible. And, like, intercourse just is just this that. little blip. It's a little yeah. thingy. That's a part of this huge... Yeah, it's a it's a way that you can explore pleasure, but it's not the only one. And again, mm-hmm. your capacity for exploring that pleasure sexually is also very dependent on your capacity for experiencing non-sexual pleasure. In the mm-hmm. same way that it's harder to do things with another person than it is to do them alone, it's harder to do yeah. things that are sexually vulnerable than it is to do things that are other kinds of vulnerable. Right? Absolutely. It's easier to put yourself in other kinds of um, yeah. you know, uncomfortable situations than when there's a sexual element. Mm-hmm. So... You know, yeah. take, wow. like, again, if you're going to the gym for mm-hmm. the first time, maybe get the mm-hmm. one-pound dumbbell, right? Yeah. Like, maybe don't go straight to the hardest version of mm-hmm. it, um, because I, as a practitioner, right, I'm saying I still don't cry around people very comfortably mm-hmm. or easily. That's, like, that doesn't mean that I'm not a pleasure witch. Mm-hmm. That means that in recognizing what my body is telling me, mm-hmm. my body is telling me that that's actually... That's an uncomfortable place for me to be. It's not for me. And maybe it'll be for me at some point. But the way it will become for me is not by me making myself do it. That part. Right? In the same way that if you have a scared child, if you have a scared animal, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, I, I want to say, would you really yell at them? And obviously the answer is that there are people who would say yes, and that's very sad, mm-hmm. but should you, right? Like, what will happen if you do? You know, if you have a scared animal that's going to the vet for the first time, mm-hmm. and you force them in the carrier, you know what yeah. I mean? And you yeah. put them in a situation where they're being restricted and confined, and it's painful, and it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. their cries are being ignored, the next time they have to go to the vet, how do you think they're going to feel? Yeah, yeah. terrified. And Absolutely. why wouldn't they be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if, again, like, right, talking to this client who's like, I want to have an orgasm with another person. Yeah. If, if after that conversation, right, if we hadn't spoken and that day she had tried to, like, have an orgasm with another person, yeah. I really believe that it would have set her back in her progress and in her healing mm. because, yes. again, everything else that she said after she said that sentence was some version of, I don't, though. Like, I'm not ready to, I'm not comfortable to, like, it's, it's terrifying. These, yeah. are, these are all of the things that I, I make me not want to do it. And I will say that's a, that is a conversation that I have had with many clients, mm-hmm. some version of that, right? I want to do X. Okay, tell me about it. It's and then, awful. you know, as soon <laughs> as they tell me, I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. Right? Like, maybe right. you want to be a person who does X, but what does that really mean? Yeah. What's that really about? And how can you get that need met in mm-hmm. a way that is, that your body consents to? Yes. Right? I feel like that's not uncommon during tarot readings, just like in general, yes. like somebody comes to the table and they're like, this is the thing. And then <laughs> a good reader takes the time to like, right. get to know a person and talk yeah. to them. Yeah. And then by the end of the conversation, you're like, okay, you came here saying this, but what I'm hearing is this. Is this. Right. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about mm-hmm. this now. And that's why mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I'm, I don't put the pressure on myself to be like, yeah. uh, like <clears throat> person who's doing, you know, like 
the type of reading that is very marketable, but that to me feels so like, this doesn't mean anything. Like this feels empty to me because Mm -hmm. the kind of work that I am doing is not generalizable, Mm -hmm. frankly, right? Like there's, there's a level of, um, utility, I think, to, to seeing other people's Mm -hmm. readings in the sense that, you know, it's cool to read poetry. It's cool to like explore ways Mm -hmm. of being that are not your own. But when it comes to what I see my work as being, Mm -hmm. I'm not an entertainer. I mean, I am an entertainer, but not like that. The tarot is not for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the, the thing that I'm doing tarot for is again, to connect to like, I call myself a tarot doula on my website (laughs) because to Mm -hmm. me, it's like, I'm, I'm here to help you do the hard work Mm -hmm. of connecting to your intuition. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not, you're you're the one who's working in this mm-hmm. scenario. Yes. I'm here to walk beside you and mm-hmm. be like, here's a tool. Here's a tool. Yes. Here's a tool. Here's a fact. You know what I mean? Here's mm-hmm. a practice. Here's something that you can do. But ultimately, especially working with trauma-impacted people, it's a very, very two of swords, very common thing mm-hmm. that they'll come to me and be like, give me a list of books, right? Or mm-hmm. like, give me like a list of, like, just tell me the thing that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And so much of what those first sessions are about mm-hmm. are like, so the whole, you came to me to help you learn how to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. How are you going to learn how to trust yourself by me just telling you what you should do, mm-hmm. right? That sounds like how mm-hmm. I teach witchcraft mm-hmm. to people. <laughs> Similar. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can't just tell you. No. You need to explore. My witchcraft may or may not be, like, when I teach about pleasure witchcraft, I am very, like, probably to an extent that's annoying, I'm, like, every slide, I'm, like, and just to reiterate, this is just how I feel. Like, this doesn't have to be how you feel. This is just how I feel. Take what you want. Leave the rest. Right. It's, like, you know, the the purpose I see (laughs) Mm -hmm. in sharing my practice is not, like, hey, guys, you should do it like I do. Mm -hmm. It's to say, like, hey, here's an example of what is possible. Yes. Like, we need those opportunities for radical mm-hmm. imagination because it's a cliche, yes. but it's true. If exactly. you don't see it, you don't know it exists. It's exactly. True. So it's, we were talking about this with relationship anarchy stuff last night too, that for me it's very important to like be open about what it is to be a relationship anarchist mm-hmm. and to help people see. Um, like I, We were talking specifically about this conversation I had with a friend not very long ago where I was talking about the phenomenon of compersion, which is like, I'm, it's the opposite of jealousy. It's I see my partner happy with somebody who's not me, and I feel really good. That makes me feel really happy. Um, and so I was talking about this with my friend and talking about, uh, you know, somebody that I was dating and uh, their partner that they live with and how I was like, yeah, I'm really excited to meet her. Like, you know, I want to like bring her cookies yeah. or something. Like, I, like, she seems really cool. And that my friend was like, okay, hearing you talk about this, I am just now realizing, like I'm having a brain blast moment of realizing I've never even considered a universe in which, like in an open relationship, yeah. like I would be, I would have a positive relationship with, with the other partner. With the other partner. Yeah. Like I literally could not imagine a world where, like the best case scenario is that we don't hate each other, but like in no, mm. in no universe are we friends. Mm. And that's like, yeah, if you literally have never even had that cross your mind, Mm -hmm. how are you going to know if that's something that you want? Mm -hmm. I feel very lucky in my life that the kind of, like, the kind of relationship anarchy anarchy that I practice means that I get to experience, like, an abundance of love in my life, Like, love that's, like, multiplies on itself. Mm. And that's not to say that everyone should be non-monogamous. You can be monogamous and still be a relationship anarchist. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is to say that, again, being a relationship anarchist, to me, means... I negotiate the needs, wants, and boundaries of my relationship based mm-hmm. on the people in that relationship. 
I listen to my animal body. They listen to their animal body, hopefully. We communicate about those things, hopefully. And we come to what works for both of us. I got yes. that song just... The song just popped in my head. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they do on the Discovery Channel. It's a classic. <laughs> Is that one in the deck? No, it should, should be. be. It should be temperance. Yeah. <laughs> We're nothing but mammals, you know? <laughs> We're animals. <sighs> yeah. Wow. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's about, it's about, like, to whatever extent I do want to show up on Instagram or in public, mm-hmm. right? I'm starting to shift my perspective from this is a place where I do education stuff to, yeah, I think I want to start sharing more of my practice in that way of here's an example of what it looks like to be a pleasure witch. That's actually the thing that feels more useful than being mm-hmm. like, here's a little, like, fuck toy that mm-hmm. you can, you yeah. know, tuck in your back pocket is to say, like, I mean, I'm at some point going to have to upload a video being like, hi, guys, here's where I'm not on Instagram, you know, yeah. and yeah. and saying in public, which I guess I'm doing right now, like I... You heard I, it here first. You heard it here first. first. This is the exclusive. But to say directly to my followers, like, I don't want you to engage with me here. And yeah. I, based on, based on my experience in my career so far, it's like, that's the kind of thing that I would say to somebody and they might be like, are mm-hmm. you insane? But based on my experience in my career so far... Every time I do something like that is when I have the biggest, like... That's when everybody decides to sign up for exactly. the email list. Literally. When I tell them I'm literally. leaving, yep. that I can't do yes. this anymore, they're yep. like... <laughs> it's, and, and it's also it's when the people scarcity are, they're like, oh, I want to book a reading or I want to talk to you. Because again, it's it's I've never heard somebody yeah. who makes a living doing this say it's not in alignment with my values mm-hmm. to like pay for Instagram ads. <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's a unfortunately kind of a rare thing. And I know for myself, right, yeah. when I'm looking for someone who I want to do any kind of intimate, vulnerable work with, that's something that I'm looking into too. Every person that I follow, you know what I mean? All the people that I'm subscribed to their newsletters, mm-hmm. it's because I'm like, I can tell by the way that you do things mm-hmm. that you give a fuck about what you're yes. doing. I can tell by the way you do things that your values led in what mm-hmm. you do. 100%. Right? Yeah. It's like um, our colleague that we were talking about before where like the yeah. first time we talked, she was like, I want people who will say no to me. Yeah. I want people who will disagree with me and tell me when I'm wrong because mm-hmm. I know that I don't know as much as you know. Yeah. And I was like, bet. I want to work with this white yes. woman. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I want to work uh-huh. with a white woman who walks to me, up to me and says, I want people who will say no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to work with people who are are again revealing in their way of speaking and what they do and the mm-hmm. choices that they make that they care more about the work than they care about their ego than yeah. they care about doing yeah. things the right way Absolutely. right yes um i and those are the people that i want to give my money to and give my time and attention to mm-hmm. so why yeah. would i play to like the lowest common denominator when again i know enough I know enough to know that if I were to be making money in that way, I would mm-hmm. be doing it by taking advantage of people's psychology. Like mm-hmm. yep. that, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to trick people into giving me their money. I mm-hmm. want people to give me their money because they feel like I am <laughs> helping them in their lives, right? I want people to give me their money because they're like, wow, that was really helpful. You should eat. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you should have a place to live because yeah. that was really helpful and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Solid. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, Haylin, how do the people who want to work with you find you and support you? Well, luckily, my name is really Googleable. Um, <laughs> yeah. My website is my first name.co, H A Y L I N, and that's the same for pretty much whatever platforms I am on, which you'll notice if you go on my Instagram that I haven't updated in a while. And as you said, my face isn't on it. Um, <laughs> not, so you can find her. me on Instagram at Haylin.co 
but you're not going to find much. But don't but you follow should sign her. up for the email list sign up instead. For, don't sign follow up for the email her. list. And again, you can find all of that stuff at um, Halen.co. Halen.co. And like you can find not only one on one consultations, but also your incredible sex ed for all resources. There's three different classes, I think. And you have all of your interviews on podcast, your like print stuff. You did the research. And yeah, I did. I am a professional interviewer. Kaylin does not fuck around. I am an entertainer. Um, But, and also like you have a show on Cosmopolitan's YouTube. Yeah. And it's really fucking cool. I watched a few episodes last night. I had to sign in because they have to make sure that you're 18 or older. Mm. It's because the show is basically I walk around New York City with my pockets full of sex toys and ask people to talk to me about them. And like, okay, you are an entertainer. You (laughs) are really good. It's really fun to watch. I'm a Leo. You know. I love this. I love to entertain. I love Leo. Yes. Um, But like there is an infinite, like, well, not infinite. I don't want to say that because we all have our limits, but there is an incredible, abundant well full of information like on I your said, website i've been doing this since i was yes. 15 years old so there's so many great ways to like work with you and receive from you so mm-hmm. go check it out yeah. halen.co and halen and i will be doing a fun little t-shirt collab yeah that may or may not be up by the time this airs yeah, so later this summer hopefully check yeah. co and uh, see if it's there i would say i think bare minimum we can have you know a pre-sale page we'll have something going out. on yeah, yes yeah, yeah. we will time um, this so uh, yeah check that out yeah. amazing do we have any other housekeeping to announce i guess we no have i think i that's think it. that's it you well, might be able to buy my deck by the time this right, is out you, just so you know be able to buy caitlin's offerings deck. oracle will probably be here available for purchase it's really cool yeah sneak peek motherofmystics.com support us yeah we're great should we maybe record a little bit of card pulls for our patreon before we go Ooh, yeah so maybe we're gonna go do that okay so we'll have a little extra for our patrons check that out patreon.com slash third eye bind and thank you for listening thank to Third you. Eye Bind. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you guys. Yes. yes. Be sure to leave us a message on the Third Eye Line. Third Eye Line. Bye. 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 See you next week. Hello. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow the podcast at Third Eye Bind Pod on Instagram. There, submit your questions via the Third Eye Line by sending us a voice message or a text DM. The show is available wherever you listen to podcasts and for you to watch on YouTube. Get early access to episodes and even monthly one-on-one sessions with us by joining our Patreon. Find us at patreon.com slash third eyebind. Third Eyebind is produced and edited by Mike Realm. Hosted by Caitlin Grania and Laura Wong. Music by Mike Realm. Set design by Laura Wong. You can find Laura on Instagram at Lady Moon Co. And you can find Caitlin at caitlin.grania.